What am I willing to do to go get it? I push things aside just to go get it. I know my role and I play my position. You talking too much. Please learn how to listen. I never give up. I'm not quitting. Welcome back to the YI Network, where we interview every job occupation, A through Z, from the trash man to the CEO, and ask them why and how they started their profession so that you could find your dream job, too. I'm your host, Kojo Thompson, and today we have a very special guest with us. It is Dr. Barry Mulholland. Now, Dr. Mulholland is the University of Akron's financial planning director who is passionate about bringing new and more diverse talent to the financial industry. So Barry has a lot to share with us here today. So Barry, shall I proceed? Yes, indeed. All right, Barry, how are you feeling today? I'm doing really well, Kojo. I'm glad to be on your show with you. Perfect. And Barry, we are happy, happy, happy to have you on because again, uh, it has been a minute. I mean, we have, I, I don't think we have had a financial planner in e- even in the financial planning industry, anybody like that uh, in the past year. So I think a lot of our listeners are real excited to finally, finally hear from another financial planner in the industry. So Dr. Barry, please. Drum roll, please. Let's get that first question going. And that is, why? Why did you become a financial planner? You know, Kojo, when I um, was invited into financial planning, it wasn't something that was on my radar as a career. I worked with a financial planner, but I never thought of myself moving in that direction. So I became a financial planner first because I was invited into the industry, But second, I really understood that it was an opportunity to help other people. Having been a client of a financial planner, I knew that it wasn't about sales. It was about helping people. And that was the important piece to me. I love it. I love it. I love it. And Barry, right now you're at the top of the totem pole. Please, please, please take us back down to the bottom. Step one, day one, what was your process like for you? You know, if I have a very diverse background um, myself, and and like you, I'm actually an engineer. Mm -hmm. Um, My career started in engineering and manufacturing Mm -hmm. and progressed through um, sales uh, into human resources uh, and in fact, was uh, owned a human resources company when um, my f- when my financial advisor found out that I was, was actually selling out of that company and looking for that next career opportunity. Mm-hmm. So it really was a process of people seeing skills, me learning things, people seeing skills or talents um, and areas of passion, and then being encouraged or invited uh, to move into those areas. And so when I was invited into financial planning, it was as an entry level, actually as a, as a sales um, advisor, I worked for a large insurance company uh, who used financial planning as a process um, with the intent that they had products and tools that could be used in the financial planning process. And that's how I entered the industry. I love it. I love it. 
I love it now. Barry, I know I just asked you to throw it back, but take it back even further than that for us because of what I am about to ask is, what do you think were some childhood hobbies and habits that matriculated into what you do today? You know, if I, if I really go back and look at, and this was a process that I worked through a number of years ago to kind of understand where I wanted to set my career. And, and part of that process really did exactly what your question is asking. Mm-hmm. Going back to my childhood, what were the things I enjoyed? What were the things that people said were good, that I was good at? Mm-hmm. And how could I use them to better align myself with careers that fit who I was as that, you know, that, that internal person. And, and looking back to my childhood, I loved helping people. I was always the helpful one. I always stuck around and helped teachers. I helped my siblings. Um, I helped people in the neighborhood. So there was always a base level of helping people mm-hmm. that was there. I love to learn things and then share that information with folks. And so I never saw myself um, as a teacher, but I saw myself as a as a person who would help people understand better the things around them. And so it was a combination of that. Now, I was also very talented at um, fixing things. I love to take things apart, see how they worked, put them back together, um, sometimes try to make them better. Oftentimes at that age, uh, they were worse off when I got done with them. But it was, it was that passion of just constantly wanting to learn. Mm. And it's those base things from my childhood that allowed me as I progressed even to being a financial planner and using the teaching capabilities, using the knowledge gathering and knowledge dissemination that I did as a financial advisor. I learned about processes, the financial planning process. I learned about ways to solve financial problems or to attain financial goals. And then I would work with my clients in order to apply that knowledge and help them learn about things that they needed to know, things they had never been exposed to either. And so those were some of the things that I did. I think the engineering side of me was about the process. I love processes. I love setting up processes and following that. Um, And again, that learning, picking it apart, putting it back together, deeply understanding it, and then being able to show others um, is a really important part and has served me well as a financial advisor and then eventually moving into um, the academic side of being a professor. Mm. I love it. I love it. I love it. But Barry, what's an average day like for you today? Today, um, well, I'm a, I am a professor um, of financial planning at the University of Akron, and so um, we have a great program. We're highly ranked in the country, and as the director of the program, I help to guide the direction of the curriculum that we use. I'm involved in um, identifying the faculty that we use. Some are set, but we do bring in outside folks. I also am very involved in promoting the program. So an average day is I spend a little bit of time kind of in those areas of either um, setting the stage for, you know, where are we going in the future, gathering information that affects our program to be able 
to share it with my colleagues, the other professors. Um, that's part of it. But I'm also a professor. In fact, this is uh, a critical time. This is the end of the semester for us. So I have students that, as we speak, are taking final exams. Uh, they're working on final projects. So I'm a professor. I need to prepare for the upcoming classes that I have yet this week. I'm preparing. I'm, I'm grading. Uh, it seems to be a little bit heavy right now because it's the end of the semester, but I'm grading the projects and I'm giving feedback to the students. I'm being what you would expect a teacher to do, a, a professor to do. Um, I'm preparing for next semester that starts uh, after the beginning of the year. I'm preparing for the next time I'm teaching my courses. And how am I going to make those courses better? How am I going to enhance the learning experience of the student? So a typical day has me sometimes in the classroom. Oftentimes, I'm involved with the, the curriculum or the teaching piece of it. Other times, I'm also doing administrative roles. And at times, I'm also in kind of that marketing promotion role of helping our program to be seen by the people who are going to hire our students. And a little bit of it is also looking to the future. How do we, um, how do we attract students? How do we do some recruiting to get students to come to our program, but also how do we help the students? And that's what our Diversitas program is about, a national program, is about how do we help students understand our industry, our profession, and what a great opportunity it is, and that there's outstanding opportunities for a very diverse background of people to come into our industry to serve the general population in the U.S. I love it. I love it. I love it. Now, Barry, what do you enjoy the most about what you do? I, I am a natural teacher, and I think that was one of the things I had to learn. I come from a family of doers. The only people who taught in my family were women, and they could choose that as a profession because it complemented their role in a traditional family. Mm-hmm. But there were no, my family, there were no teachers that were men. And so the expectations were always about um, going out and doing something. And that's why I built a business, a couple of businesses. That's why I was always external. Um, What I had to come to understand is that really my base skills are around teaching and that I really get joy in watching others learn, um, helping to guide them toward a deeper understanding, guide them towards critical thinking, How do they look at a situation and how do they analyze it critically in order to get where they're at? So my joy is always being in front of the class with the students, always in discussion with them, um, seeing their evolution in their work throughout the semester. I'm fortunate that I see students in the first class in our program and I also see them in the last class Mm -hmm. and to see the knowledge they've gained in the the ability to apply that knowledge um, is really something I absolutely enjoy. I love it. I love it. I love it. But unfortunately, Barry, the back end of that question is, what do you enjoy the least? Um, certainly, I, I will say this, and students are going to go, really? Um Sometimes the grading gets burdensome um, if there's a lot, um, especially if they're all writing the same project and I kind of, it, it gets 
a little bit boring to kind of see the same thing over and over. And I'll just be honest with that. I do it. It's an important part. part and again, there's, there's a great opportunity to um, teach in the grading. And so I, I kind of like that, but it's kind of something I don't always enjoy. It's not that I completely dislike it, but I don't always enjoy it. It can be a challenge. I think one of the things I like the least is that at times I have to deal with students who really aren't sure that they want to be there. And so I, as much as I'm trying to help them understand, they're not putting the effort in from their end. And it does raise the question of why are you here? Should you in fact be maybe doing something that's going to help you better understand where you want to go? Is this not the right time? And so having to deal with those who are not engaged is one of the things I least like. Um, and, and it's just a part of being a college professor. Um, I'm fortunate in that I'm in the more professional end, the later years of an undergraduate program. And so the students have kind of self-selected out many of them by then, but there's still a few that they haven't connected with who they are yet. And so they're kind of grinding through, but it's very apparent they don't want to be there or they just don't show up. And that, and dealing with that is a, is not the best thing or the most enjoyable thing. In fact, it's probably the least enjoyable thing. Now, professor, I do have to ask, and again, this is my absolute favorite question, but that is, do you think that grades mattered in school for the success that you have in your career today? Oh, oh, what a question from a, for a professor. Um, I'll answer that kind of two ways. One is, I think it matters part in where you're at in your educational process. I will say that as a young engineer, and I, I, I didn't understand that my low grades, and I was not the best undergraduate student, mm -hmm. um, my low grades were an indication of my slight disconnect with what I was doing. I liked aspects of my degree. I liked aspects of what I was learning, but there were certain areas of it that just weren't enjoyable and I didn't score well. And so my grades were indicative of kind of where I was at. So the grades, the grades don't always tell the story. It wasn't that I was necessarily not understanding or doing a poor job. Some cases I was, but it was more that I was kind of disconnected. And, and the professors didn't tell me that. And I didn't understand enough to say, is this a, is this a red flag? Is this something I should be paying more attention to? So I think they matter in helping you understand the connection with where your ads and the connection with um, kind of the direction that you're going. So they're, they're a tool while you're in the middle of the process, Kojo, but they're not important if, and I'm saying this out loud, they're not necessarily important once you get past that first job. Hmm. Um, once you get out into the first, the, the, they, are, they are critical to getting that first opportunity mm -hmm. because they are used as a tool to remove people from the, from the pool of candidates. Mm -hmm. um, they, they don't absolutely get you the job, um, but they, 
they can be used to remove you from the pool of candidates. And so I was eliminated from jobs I thought would be really interesting because my grade point average wasn't high enough. Mm. Um, that being said, um, there are other things that I did that, that helped to put me at the top of the pile of those jobs I did, and it wasn't grade related. So grades are important, um, but they're, they're, not at, they're not everything. Mm. The other piece that's important is and, and was critical to actually my success in getting started in the in the world of business was that I got involved with internships. Mm. I got involved with our student organization back then it was mechanical engineering and was actually the president of the mechanical engineering society mm. at my university. And that opened the door to opportunities that my grade point average did not. And that's sometimes the disconnect I see in our students is some focus wholly on the grade grades and the grade point average. Some focus wholly on the connections and kind of ignore the grading or ignore the, the doing well in the classes. The students who fall in the middle, who do the best they can in the classroom and the grading, but also get involved in professional opportunities or internships or working in the summer, those are the students that seem to do the best. And that was me. I was that student that was involved. And that led to me getting great job opportunities ahead of the students who did really well in the classroom. I love it. I love it. I love it. Now, Dr. Barry, this next question, I'm going to break down just a little bit, just because this word gets tossed around a little willy nilly. And that is what do you feel that your impact is? And when I say impact, I mean, what are you devoted to? What's your devotion? That's a great question. I, th- I think there's a couple of things. I think one is I bring up passion because I, I'm in the area that I now know I belong, which is I'm teaching, which really, truly um, speaks to who I am as a person. Um, I am a teacher and I'm proud of that. I'm proud of the work that I've done. Um, and so I, th- I think I make an impact with students in that I do work hard to bring them knowledge. I do work hard um, to help them understand. The other piece of that is that I, I'm also a, a realist in that I came from industry. I was a career changer into the educational world. I went back in my late 30s to get a, an an. Uh, or I guess early 30s to get my MBA and in my early 40s to get my PhD. So I had a lot of industry experience before I, I turned that into academic work. Mm. And so those are um, pieces that I get to bring. And that's a place I, I make an impact also because I bring practical viewpoint to the students. And I bring in people from industry into my classes to bring that practical life experience to students. I encourage my students to go out and get that practical experience, make those connections. And so I think that's a very impactful um, piece of who I am and some of the impact that I have um, when I look at the students themselves. Mm. I love it. I love it. I love it. Now, again, Dr. Barry has been given excellent, excellent, excellent advice all interview long, but unfortunately, we are down to that last 
question, and that is, if there was one, just one piece of advice for somebody out there listening right now who wants to be in the position that you're in today, what would that be? You know, I th- I think the one piece of advice that I wish I would have heard early in my career or as I was coming into the career the focus a lot of times is on the technical abilities, the understanding the process, understanding the tools that we use. And those are critical. Those are very important because we deal with one of the most important aspects of people's lives. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's, it, people will say, oh, yeah, you're dealing with money. No, we deal with goal setting. We help people set their goals and then figure out how to attain them. And those goals have a financial component, and that's an important piece of it. So I think the, 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 so the advice is on the technical process, but I think the piece of advice that I would want to give people who are thinking of becoming a financial advisor is you need to be clear that you want to help people. This really is a helping profession. We help people set their goals. We help people determine what they need to do to get to those goals. We help people make and meet their commitments. And that's oftentimes a critical role that we play. They tell us they want to meet a goal, but when we tell them what they need to do, they don't want to do what they need to. And so sometimes we have to encourage them to hold their commitment. We become that they make the commitment, they're more likely to do what's in their own best interest. And so if you're not ready to help people, if your focus is really just on the technical aspects of it, I just want to work on portfolios. That's great. If that's what you want to do, there is a role for you, but it may not be the planner who's doing the overall planning for that client. And so be, be ready to be that helpful person, to be a part of um, helping uh, your team to serve the people, helping the people directly yourself, whatever your role is in that, um, just come into it with that right under that correct understanding um, of what the job is. Mm, mm, mm. I love it. I love it. I love it. And Dr. Barry, I just need one more thing before you go. You have been an excellent, excellent, excellent interview, all interview long, but I just need one more thing before you go. I don't care if it's a website. I don't care if it's a social media link. I don't even care if it's a book, just something that I can leave down in the link in the description below so that my audience can reach yours. Please promote and shout it out now. Our website is a great place to start. Um, There's there's actually maybe two websites to look at. One is our uh, uh, my department's website, which is uh, www.uacron. It's u a k r o n. edu slash cba. And then if you look there for the finance department, you'll find who we are. The other website that I think would be really helpful for some of your listeners is going to be our Diversitas website, which looks at diversity in the industry. And there's some great resources. And that is Diversitas, D-I-V-E-R-S-I-T-A-S-F-P for financial planning.org.
So diversitasfp.org. We have a lot of information there and we invite you to come check us out on that website also. And please, please, please hit that link in the description below. And again, folks, as you know, there are three types of work, a job, a career, and a calling. Most people have a job. You're lucky if you find a career, but you are truly, truly blessed if you find your calling. And I really hope that me and Barry helped you find it here today, folks. That is a wrap.